You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Bob, and uh, today we're continuing this series of messages on the struggle is real. As we're talking today about uh, a topic that's, that's heavy, uh, we're talking about something that's not fun, uh, something that can be painful to many of us in the room, and yet it's something that we do need to talk about as God's people. Uh, we realize as we do this, it can stir up some unwanted memories, but one of the things that we do in the church is bring everything to God. We bring uh, the good things of life. We bring what's unpleasant to us, trusting in God's fullness and God's mercy and God's ability to heal. We also recognize that the way in which we are prone to keep secrets is very unhealthy. And today, as we talk about one of the toughest areas of keeping secrets, sexual assault, we're addressing the realities of harassment, unwanted sexual con- contact, the reality of child sexual abuse, incest, and rape. And what's striking is that as we do this, we'll be going to a biblical story that has essentially all of that in place. What I'm amazed at the truth of Scripture is that the biblical narrator does not pull any punches. But the writer tells story after story after story like this because no matter who you are, whatever station you are, whatever position you have in life, everything... (laughs) comes under the light of God's truth. And we know that this topic today is very relevant. For studies indicate that one in every four women will be sexually assaulted in their lifetime. That one in every six men will be sexually assaulted in their lifetime. That 63% of sexual assaults are not reported to police. And 88% of child sexual abuse is never reported to authorities. And so as we talk about this today, we recognize that in the religious families that we are not spared of this as well. Diana Russell, in a landmark study about 8 to 10 years ago, found that uh, of religious families, about one in ten have the practice of incest. And in religious families, 30% of women are sexually abused. We're not here today to uh, applaud any or endorse any particular political movement or oppose any political movement. We applaud anything that is going on in Hollywood or Congress or executive branches of government 
or the Olympics or any other organization in which there is justice and due process that's being established and these secrets are being brought to light. But what we want today is something far deeper. We want the healing and the transforming power of God. We want to come before God as God's children, all in need of God's redemption, all in need of God's restorative grace, and all being able to face our part in the brokenness of the story of our human family. We want to talk in a reasonable way and in a balanced way following the biblical mandate to take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Expose them in the way that God wants that to happen. And so today we're looking together at this biblical story from 2 Samuel chapter 13. And as I read these words, I just ask that you uh, follow along closely and consider where this story relates to your life. Let's hear the word of God. Now David's son, David is King David, he's the king of Israel, a thousand years before the coming of Jesus. He is the hero of the faith. He's described as a man after God's own heart. And yet we're reading some dirty stories and tales about his family. Now David's son Absalom had a beautiful sister named Tamar. And Abnon, her half-brother, fell desperately in love with her. Amnon became so obsessed with Tamar that he became ill. She was a virgin, and Amnon thought he could never have her. But Amnon had a very crafty friend, his cousin Jonadab. He was the son of David's brother Shemiah. One day Jonadab said to Amnon, What's the trouble? Why should the son of a king look so dejected morning after morning? So Amnon told him, I am in love with Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Well, Jonadab said, I'll tell you what to do. Go back to bed and pretend you are ill. When your father comes to see you, ask him to let Tamar come and prepare some food for you. Tell him you'll feel better if she prepares it as you watch and feed you with her own hands. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be sick. And when the king came to see him, Amnon asked him, Please let my sister Tamar come and cook my favorite dish as I watch. Then I can eat it from her own hands. So David agreed and sent Tamar to Amnon's house to prepare some food for him. When Tamar arrived at Amnon's house, she went to the place where he was lying down so he could watch her mix some dough. Then, he baked, then she baked his favorite dish for him. But when she set the serving tray before him, she, he refused to eat. Everyone, get out of here, Amnon told his servants. So they all left. Then he said to Tamar, now bring the food to my bedroom and feed it to me here. So Tamar took his favorite dish to him. But as she was feeding him, he grabbed her and demanded, come to bed with me, my darling sister. No, my brother, she cried. Don't be foolish. Don't do this to me. 
Such wicked things aren't done in Israel. Where could I go in my shame? And you would be called one of the greatest fools in Israel. Please, just speak to the king about it and he will let you marry me. But Amnon wouldn't listen to her. And since he was stronger than she was, he raped her. And suddenly Amnon's love turned to hatred. And he hated her even more than he had loved her. Get out of here, he snarled at her. No, no, Tamar cried. Send me away now is worse than what you've already done to me. But Amnon wouldn't listen to her. He shouted for his servant and demanded, throw out this woman and lock the door behind her. So the servant put her out and locked the door behind her. She was wearing a long, beautiful robe, as was the custom of those days for the king's virgin daughters. But now Tamar tore her robe and put ashes on her head. And then with her face in her hands, she went away crying. Her brother Absalom saw her and asked, Is it true that Amnon has been with you? Well, my sister, keep quiet for now, since he's your brother. Don't you worry about it. So Tamar lived as a desolate woman in her brother Absalom's house. When King David heard what had happened, he was very angry. And though Absalom never spoke to Amnon about this, he hated Amnon deeply because of what he had done to his sister. Let's review this story we've just read. King David's son, Absalom and Amnon, and his daughter, Tamar, are involved in relationships with each other. Amnon fell in love with Tamar. Jonadab, the cousin to all three of them, devises a plan in which Amnon can take advantage of her. Amnon rapes Tamar and hated her, disposing of her like a toy. Tamar protests before the act and after the act, especially grieving with ashes and tearing her robe. And she's put away in her shame. Absalom gives her horrific advice. Be quiet. Don't take it to heart. Later, two years later, he kills his brother taking things into his own hands. Today, what I want us to do is to look at these five different persons in this story. Realizing that the persons in this story are represented well and perhaps even in this room. And one of these characters, you could even say, is you. In quick review, Tamar is the victim with little recourse. Amnon is the perpetrator, guilty of sexual assault. Absalom, he's the revenge seeker and the silencer. David, even though he's father and king, looked the other way, did nothing. And Jonadab is the conspirator and the schemer. To Tamar, perhaps... Uh, when you sought to tell your story, members of your own family, or people in the workplace, or maybe even the church, 
chose not to believe you. Maybe you were counseled to be quiet. Maybe you were threatened overtly or subtly. Don't you realize the damage that can be done if this story gets out? But greater damage has been done to you. You've been violated, invalidated. And if you keep silent, more damage in your spirit, in your emotions, will occur. And most likely greater damage to others as well. You deserve to be heard. You deserve justice. You deserve healing. You know, every week it seems like we have a new news event related to this subject as stories come out. Larry Nassar is the poster child, of course, this week. Former Olympic gymnastics doctor who was sentenced to life in prison after over 150 women, over 150 women, brought testimony against him. And as we hear this story, it's easy for us to just focus on that one individual. But what does this story and other stories teach us? That this is a systemic problem. This is something that's related to the Olympics. This is related to Michigan State. This is related to the proprietors of a retreat center who allowed girl after girl after girl after girl to be abused. This is a statement systemically to any organization or to anyone that's in charge of assuring that young women and men, that anyone is safe of such abuse. You know, at Schweitzer, we, we go to great measures to create a safe and whole environment. We have uh, sexual ethics policies for staff. We emphasize the covenant of anyone in a leader position. We require safe sanctuary training and sexual boundaries training for people who work with children it's required of all clergy, and we follow due processes. We recognize also that deeper healing is needed, that it's one thing to get the story to responsible persons who are going to act in a ways that are just and fair, but it's another thing to bring God's healing. And so as pastors, we have counselors that we have confidence in, that we invite people to consider. We have a ministry of prayer that my wife Susan leads where it's based on gender in terms of who will pray with you. We are here to recognize that unless there is diligence done consistently, in any organization, is in any way in which people are affiliated with each other. 
But things can go south in a hurry. So to Tamar, you deserve to be heard. And there is healing for your brokenness. I'd like for you to read these words with me, and we're going to say these words um, after everyone is addressed in these five, these five people in these stories. So join me in these words of Paul. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. We also want to say a word today to Amnon. To someone that is a sexual perpetrator or has the potential of becoming one because of what's going on in your obsession and in your mind and your spirit. Maybe you're someone that you're just thinking about someone on a constant basis. Maybe you're engaged fully in pornography. We ask that you uh, come clean and take measures and steps to confess to another person about your struggle, about your temptation before you do it. That you find a trusted individual and someone that knows the healing power of Christ and will look you in the eye and tell you what you need to hear and what you need to do. And if you've already committed the act, Amnon, take seriously the mistakes that you've made, the sins that you've committed, the horrific emotional pain that you've placed on the hands and in the life of another person or persons. Something we need to know, something we need to recognize, that when we touch another person and their private parts, we are touching something sacred. When we touch someone in their body, we are touching their soul. The Amnons who are obsessed in this way step out of the darkness, out of the brokenness, out of the deception, out of the hatred that you have, not just for the persons that you've abused, but for your own self, and come into the light of God. Will you say these words with me? Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. To the Absalom, on one level, we recognize that you're an avenger. We recognize in your vigilante you have some motivation. You care about injustice. And you're merciful in taking Tamar into your home. But your counsel to her to keep silence and to keep a lid on this is detrimental to everyone. And avenging Amnon, taking things into your own hands is not the answer in making things right. Bringing down the perpetrator reveals the hatred that is holding on to your own heart. And before we get too high and mighty toward anyone that has crossed lines and boundaries, how we need to recognize the cyclical downward spiral that we've been on as a culture and a society for a long time. One study tells us that 81% of sexual abusers were sexually abused 
So to the Absalons present, we say, don't, don't bottle up your hatred and don't fall into the lie that vengeance is the same as justice. Make sure Tamar is heard. Make sure she has a place to tell her story to you and reports to the authorities and due process is done. Please join me in the words, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. But to David, we're talking here about a person in authority, talking to the father of this family, we're talking to the king of a nation. We're talking to someone, maybe because of fear of the consequences of doing the right thing, he does nothing. We're talking to whomever who's ashamed of the shame that has happened in their family, but is more fearful about what happens to the family's reputation than doing what is right. We're talking to the person in authority and leadership that has favorites and believes that the same rules don't apply to everyone. But none of these reasons, David, justifies your inaction. So if you're in a position of a responsibility, whether you're a pastor, you're an employer, you're a principal, you're a parent, you exercise the power to ensure safety and wholeness can prevail in whatever system you're in charge of, that you're there to administer justice, and that the system you lead must have zero tolerance for a perpetrator's actions or any unwanted sexual advances. People depend on you. Leader of any position, people depend upon you to hold people accountable and insist on due process. If there's one thing I've learned in 40 years of ministry, some of those years as a district superintendent, some of those years as the chair of the Board of Ordained Ministry of the Missouri Conference, and many of those years as a pastor, that I cannot presume innocence or guilt when information is given to me. I cannot presume innocence or guilt, but my responsibility is to follow the facts, to follow the information, and to insist on due process for everyone. It's a heavy responsibility, David. You've got to do this one well. Let's join the words. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. final person we talk to today is Jonadab. Jonadab is the conspirator. Jonadab is the schemer. Jonadab is caught up in the reality of what so many people are engaging in in our culture today, where so many people are pursuing love that's not rightfully ours. 
where we are driven by a sense of entitlement and opportunity. Jonadab represents people who might help another person to scheme, where it's in a fraternity or in some other organization or just buddies doing what boys do. Whatever it is, we have to emerge from the murky waters of the darkness that's engulfing our world and our culture. One of the things that Mark Onsley talks about to the Jonadabs and the Amnons himself is the importance of detoxing. And he says that detoxing from sexual obsession is not unlike detoxing from cocaine or heroin. The addiction is nearly that strong. And what is called upon is to engage in what recovery communities talk about, the mantra of people, places, and things. That we have to change up the people that we hang out with. That we have to change the places that we go to. And that's not just physical changes, that's electronic places as well. We have to alter the things that we do. We have to find people to be in relationship with that will hold our feet to the fire. We have to come clean. We have to confess about our struggle. We have to find people that have lots of grace in their life as well. We have to find people who will not judge us in the sense of condemning us, but as someone that will look us in the eye and talk about this is right and this is wrong. We need to have people in our life who will create a real healthy sense of fear and a full embrace of God's healing, transforming power. We need to recognize that before we can condemn all the Jonadabs in the world, while some of us would never encourage someone with a scheme of words, we can be Jonadab in our silence. Because by remaining silent, we become part of the scheme. Let's join together in the words, Arise, O sleeper, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. I want us to look at the screen just for a moment and to look at these driving forces behind keeping secrets. We've talked about these five things in this story, and they're so prevalent behind the reasons in which secrets are kept today. We don't want to disgrace the family, and the family can be biological families. It can be various types of families. We devalue the victims. We play favorites. We lack the courage to confront. Or we do not reinforce boundaries. And what God is calling us to is to, to recognize that frailty and that weakness in the human condition, but he's calling us out out of that darkness, 
into the light of God's truth and God's healing power. I'm not someone that throws a lot of books at people because there's a lot of good material out there, but there's one book that I just read recently that I think has a tremendous balance to some of the frailties of what's happening in our culture today that I recommend to you. It's Mark Onsley's book, Into the Light, Healing Sexuality in Today's Church. And I'm fascinated in which the ways in which Scripture is always balanced, pulling no punches to the darkness, but also calling us to light, having this full confidence in the transforming power and the love of God to change us. And so I want to read Scripture to you from Ephesians chapter 5 that highlights this. In the words of the Apostle Paul, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is even shameful to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. This morning, we're going to have a time of ministry. The band wants to come up. And I'm going to, before we enter into a time of silence, I'm going to pray a prayer. Before I pray this prayer, I want to just say something. That no matter who you are today and no matter what has occurred in your life or in your family, whatever's been conjured up in your memory or your heart or maybe you're carrying something very, very close to you right now, I just invite you to place yourself in the healing light of God. Because the presence of the Spirit and the ways in which God can direct us to next steps is greater than any words that anyone can say. So as I pray this prayer, I just invite you to go into the presence of God. And as we go into silence following the prayer, and then as we go into ministry of worship, and we'll just let the Holy Spirit minister to us and the light of God to shine on us and to protect us from all the suffering and the darkness of this world. Let's pray. Lord, there are times when the sickness and the evil that we encounter is more than we can bear. And so we all place ourselves before you right now in need of your cleansing and your healing. We pray that you would fill us anew with your power and your life, that you would strengthen us where we feel weak. You would help our church to be a church that creates places, safe places for deeply broken people to find your healing grace, for people who suffer from sexual addiction and those who suffer from sexual aversion. For we are all victims in different ways. We hunger to see you more at work in our lives, in our world. We pray for a great movement of your spirit So in these moments of silence, we just open our hearts to you, to the sunlight of your grace, and shine your light into any darkness that may engulf us. Help us to rise up 
and let your spirit and your love move us to your healing light. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.